Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Sue has just shared some of the most exciting news with me, and I can't <laughs> share it with anyone else. And well, can't share it with the audience, but no. the audience will know. If, if we execute this, yeah. the audience will know, right? It'll be incredible if we can do it. I'm so excited. Uh, you got big weekend plans? You're, you're probably going to be all over this NFL football stuff. You're a fan. You come in on Mondays wearing your gear, and you got usually you got your um, your eyes still Listen, with the, my uh, black the on blacks. my eyes. Yeah, exactly. My Steelers are out. I'm now going Bills just because my cousin Sally is the biggest Bills fan known to man, has been since she was a kid, and they've just never done it. What and is Josh your deal? Why is do you have such animus toward my Kansas City Chiefs? And Mind I'm, you, I'm going to talk about my Packers here in a moment, too, so I have two teams. Listen, I'm not anti-Chiefs, but I feel like we were trying to kind of railroaded into, well, the Rams are gone. you got to root for the Chiefs. I'm not going to be, I don't want to root well, no, for the Well, no, you don't, you you know don't have I'm to do that. You know, in, in my, people always ask this, but, but this is just true. So when I grew up in Chicago, I had some uncles that were Packers fans. I, I was not a Bears fan. And I come here to Missouri, and the Cardinals are here, the St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals football team. Well, then I end up going to Columbia, the Mizzou, the Cardinals leave. I started going to Chiefs game, probably around about 88, 89. Joe Montana comes in after that. That was exciting. So I, I became really, especially because of the tailgating there. Then I go from one legendary franchise and stadium. I move up to Wisconsin, and it's the year after, really six months after Brett Favre wins his first Super Bowl in 1997. Go back, and go. then I meet this guy, Bill Michaels. Hmm. We call him the big unit who is now the host of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network, but he worked with me at WTMJ, which was the Packers' flagship station, and we had a hell of a time up there with uh, Brett Favre and, and that gang back in the day. How are you, Bill? Welcome to the show. I am doing good, Mark. I tell you what, I was listening to your commercial for your uh, your tree people. I could use them up here. I mean, we had a hell of a snowstorm, and it took down trees in my yard, so now I need tree removal up uh, here. Well, our friend uh, Paul Hall is still a contributor to my show, and Paul lives up there in Milwaukee. I didn't even think about this. we got a couple of Wisconsin people, and he's been telling us about all the snow, and I do not miss it, Bill. We've got cold here, but not really just dustings of snow. We don't We don't really miss that. Yeah, I just had some friends of mine uh, do a uh, bread, milk, and toilet paper day down in Cincinnati because they got two inches of snow. So <laughs> that's what we do here. I completely get it. Uh, that's exactly right. Well, let let's start with the NFL. I think we can segue here into a little baseball because the uh, the Brewers and the Cardinals obviously in the same division. Did you hear who the Cardinals got today to come back? Has this kind of gotten up there to Wisconsin? No. Who did they get? <laughs> well, don't we, we apparently we're bringing all the players that. 
couldn't perform on the team very well. We had to trade to other teams. But Matt Carpenter has signed a league minimum deal to come back and, I guess, do DH stuff uh, a little bit. So we're, we're mocking that a little bit more than welcoming Matt. We in love a bottle, Matt. man. If you, yeah. if you get a guy that's got experience, that's got veteran experience, and you catch one more year out of him for a veteran minimum, man, it's a hell of a deal. Well, so we'll see. And, you know, take a shot. It, you got it. Sometimes you do have to take a shot. And obviously the culture of the team he's very familiar with. But let's talk football. And we were doing this a little bit with uh, Frank Cusimano, who's my sports guy here on Mondays and Fridays, sports director of Channel 5 in St. Louis, Bill. But, you know, I started this season watching the Packers being very curious because none of us knew exactly how Jordan Love was going to perform. Lo and behold, people are using this term, you have another franchise quarterback in Green Bay. Now, I'm not quite ready to say that, but good Lord, this kid's looking good, isn't he? Yeah, he's, and I'll I'll tell you this, I have been one of the biggest detractors of Jordan Love ever since they drafted him. It was the wrong pick at the wrong time. They needed another wide receiver. They needed another weapon. They were only a few plays away from getting to a Super Bowl, and then they drafted a quarterback, and that started the entire drama With Rogers. that we all lived through for three years. So you can look at what it could have, should have, and I understand that. But now, my God, it looks like an incredible pick. Uh, he is unflappable. He is so, Mark, he is so unbelievably different than Aaron Rodgers he has, you know, on, on Tuesday nights, he goes with the offensive lineman and takes him to dinner. On Monday nights, for Monday night football, he brings the receivers to his house and has dinner. Wow. And whereas Rodgers was, hey, let Cobby coach him up, let Alan Lazard coach him up, and then you guys need to get on my level. And when I'm ready, I'll come in. Whereas this guy's like, hey, if we've got issues, I'm as big a problem as you are. So you need to know where I want you, and I need to know where you want to go. So they've all been getting together really since the Denver game. And that's when we started to see the turnaround. And, wow. you know, the first time we really noticed it was we were in Pittsburgh. And, you know, the Packers, after that game, they lost the game. But you could see, you know, how, you know, locker room opens, all the doors open. And usually the guys are at their lockers. But all the wide receivers had pulled up chairs. They were having, like, their own little consortium. And they were all talking about the game. And nobody could talk to them until they finished. And they wanted to go over everything while it was fresh in their mind. They all had notebooks out. I'd never seen anything like this before. So, you know, it, it's just a drastic difference from what we had here to, to what it is now. And I will say this, whenever I hear, and I'm sure you do as well, but whenever I hear Rogers speak and he's on McAfee and he's, he's going off about something and creating controversy, it's almost, I'll be honest with you guys, it's almost like PTSD. Mm, like it, it raises yeah. your level of drama and anxiety because now you're like, God, we got to deal with this. And then you realize, oh, that's right. He's not our problem anymore. So it's nice just to be able to, you know, kind of cover a team that doesn't have drama. You were at, that was the game that you went to in Pittsburgh. Yeah, too, right? it was. It was a really great game. I, this is really good insight. I had no idea. What a great guy. How smart to take out the offensive line. That, that's genius. Well, yeah. he seems, what I said last hour, Bill, he just seems like a guy because we're, we're used to cockiness and flashiness, and I'm yeah. sure that there's some confidence, certainly, with Jordan. You can see that on the field. But he just seems like a guy that's going out there and doing his damn job, right, which sometimes is rare in professional sports. Yeah, he, the one thing that, and, and Nick Bosa said it this week from the 49ers, because they asked, you know, what he saw in Jordan Love, and he said, you know, everybody starts out by saying, no offense to Aaron Rodgers, and he's a Hall of Famer. It's yeah. like you got to even still massage the ego. He just runs the offense. He just runs what's called, and he goes through his progression of reads, and that's why it's so vital. So he knows where the guys are supposed to be and vice versa, and there's none of this. You know, last year we heard times where Rodgers would walk to the line, and Rod, look, Rodgers is brilliant. He's the matrix. He can see things before. He, he's, he's got the same level of sensibility and anticipation that Peyton Manning did. He, he's brilliant. 
but he would see things that other guys don't. So he would do little things like tug on his ear or touch his jersey on one side or the other, or, you know, and then guys are supposed to instinctively, instinctively know, oh, I'm supposed to go deep on this route. Well, guys didn't get it. He, did, he didn't, you know, it wasn't Jordy, it wasn't Greg, it wasn't Donald, it wasn't James, it wasn't Jermichael, it wasn't any of these guys that he used to play with. It's these young guys, first, second, third year in the league, and they didn't know. So he'd always blame them, and finally they're like, we don't know what the hell he's doing. He just kind of waves his arm, and we're supposed to figure it out. Whereas Jordan Love is just running the offense, and that's the biggest difference we've seen pretty much since that Pittsburgh game. Even though they lost, we started to see them as the coming out party, and they've been playing really lights-out football ever since. I don't know, Bill, how you felt or, you know, the national pundits, nobody gave the Packers a chance last week. We'll get to the 49ers game tomorrow night, but let's talk about what happened last weekend. I felt pretty strongly, maybe I was basing this a little bit on that classic game from, what was it, 2016 when the Packers beat the Cowboys in dramatic fashion, but I felt like the, you know, the Packers were not going to get smoked in that game. Now, Having said that, I don't think anybody saw what happened coming, right? No, uh, nobody saw that. Um, there were some people, you know, Packers fans, obviously, the green and gold glasses, and they felt like the Packers were going to win. What I said going into that game was everything the Packers do well, Dallas does bad. Dallas does not stop the run. The Packers are running the ball well. Dallas does not handle motion and movement. It throws them off their game. That's all the Packers do. If you noticed, on two straight drives, the Packers had motion on every play. And they ended up scoring on both of those drives. So everything the Packers did well, Dallas did not. What I was more concerned with was was whether or not Joe Barry's defense would show up or whatever this new improved version of would show up. Because Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, has been under fire pretty much all the way up until week 14. Well, they showed up, didn't they? They confused the hell out of them. Yes, we saw more stunts. We saw more blitzes. We saw more man coverage than we've seen all season long. So, and now you're getting play from, I, I love the trenches. I love the big fat guys. The guys are going to eat four cheeseburgers after the game. I love those guys. <laughs> and now you're seeing, right? And now you're seeing Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt and the guys in the trenches win. So when you start seeing that, you see manhandling going on in the line of scrimmage, you know you've got one leg up on them. Bill Michaels is here, a good friend of mine from my days up uh, working for the Packers flagship station. Bill is now on the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. All right, tomorrow night, again, nobody's given the Packers a chance. It's a pretty big, you know, some of these games, including the Houston and the Ravens game tomorrow, the lines are pretty significant. They're not like two or three points. The Packers, heavy underdogs, but you got to play the games. They're hot right now. You don't know what's going to happen. How do you see the matchup tomorrow in San Francisco? You know, what I just said about everything the Packers do well, the Dallas Cowboys didn't. Everything the Packers do well, San Francisco does it better. Uh, and and remember, remember, Shanahan is the guy that taught LaFleur pretty much everything he knew. So, you know, look, to me, you got to slow down McCaffrey and you got you got to shut down Devo Samuel. If you can do that defensively and put pressure on Brock Purdy, we saw him against Minnesota, we saw him against Cleveland, we also saw him against uh, Cincinnati, he threw picks. Don't forget, it's going to be a rain game. It's supposed to get really nasty at about game time tomorrow with torrential downpours. His hands are the smallest in the league, and Jordan Love's hands are the largest in the league, which gives him a decided advantage. So maybe the rain comes into that, and maybe you get a turnover or two. But I I think what the Packers need to do is just stay close, and maybe you get the ball towards the end of the game, and then it comes down to maybe a field goal or a a last-minute drive, if you can just hang close. I picked – look, I picked – San Francisco to win, but I picked the Packers to cover. Well, Aaron Jones' factor in this game, I mean, especially if there's rain, you would you, the conventional wisdom might dictate that you're going to run the ball a little bit more than pass. He's fresh because he was injured most of the season. He's come back these last four games and just blown away defenses. So Aaron, or Aaron Jones is absolutely on fire right now, and that's a big factor tomorrow. 
Huge. I 100% agree with you. It's, it's huge. He's been running the ball extremely well, and his first step is so quick. He is so different when he's healthy as opposed to when he's not. But remember, you go back a couple of years when uh, you had Mercedes Lewis with the fumble, and then A.J. Dillon went down in that game uh, back in uh, at Lambeau Field when they faced San Francisco. And then a couple of years before that, they played extremely well offensively, but they didn't have a defense, and Mostert ran for 242 yards against them. So I agree with you. you got to be able to run. you got to be able to have play action. But you also, don't forget, you got one of the best offensive weapons in Christian McCaffrey across the line from you, and he's going to be able to run the ball as well. And he's, he's a mutter. He, he can go up and down the field no problem. So, and you got to be able to tackle. you got to get back to fundamentals. So I, I agree with you. I think if Aaron Jones tomorrow – has, say, 84 yards and about 45 to 50 receiving yards, 120 to 130 total yards and a touchdown or two, then I think the Packers are right there and can win the game. If he's not and they shut him down and they don't have a run game, they become very one-dimensional. And while I love their two tight end sets because they got two legit tight ends now and they've got four legit wideouts, I just don't know in this situation if they're going to have enough to be able to beat San Francisco. How do you see the game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills? That's the one where, you, you know, I think it can go any direction. And the one thing that might play in the Chiefs' favor is Buffalo's got a couple injuries right now, too. Yeah, their secondary's banged up. Now that doesn't bode well, you know, obviously for Buffalo. But then again, it's whether or not who shows up, which, which receiving crew shows up for Patrick Mahomes, the ones that drop everything or the ones that actually catch the damn ball. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> Pacheco's been really, really good. I right. like the fact that they're able to run the ball. Uh, I, Mark, I, I, I look at it this way. If the good Josh Allen shows up, Buffalo wins. Easy. If the bad Josh Allen shows up, then Buffalo is going to go down again in heartbreak. And it doesn't matter because whoever gets to Baltimore, Baltimore, in my opinion, is going to they're, – they're the class of the league. I think Baltimore's yeah, – really and I hate Baltimore. Yeah, I yeah. hate them with a passion, but I think they're the class of the league. So they whoever just, gets – They just don't seem to, to – I mean, maybe this will happen in the next couple of weeks, but they just don't seem to throw a clunker in, right? They're, no, they really don't. And, and now you've got a good, happy, paid – and healthy Lamar Jackson. Remember last couple of years, last year in Cincinnati, he didn't even play because of the bad knee. The year before that, they didn't get there. And the year before that, he was banged up with a bad knee then as well. So every time he's gotten to the postseason, he's been banged up. Now he's completely healthy, and his wide receiving crew is completely healthy, and they've got a good run game to support him. And oh, you've got the experience of Odell Beckham Jr. I, I would love to see C.J. Stroud upset that team and just continue that rookie year, that incredible story. But I think that's where Houston goes home and Baltimore sits and waits because I I picked at the beginning of the year Baltimore and San Francisco. So right now I look like a freaking genius, but I still would love to see – I would love to see Buffalo win a Super Bowl. I really would. That's if the Packers can't go. What what are your feelings? I'm curious about what the the feelings are in in Wisconsin about the Lions. There's not as much hatred of the Lions, mainly because they've sucked over the years, as there is for the Bears and certainly the Vikings. You know, there's a bit of a soft spot for me with the Lions only because of all the torture they've gone through in their fans. Uh, But, man, that's going to be a tough game with the Buccaneers Mm. tomorrow. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think everybody's kind of pulling for the Lions. You, You saw grown men crying in that game against L.A., against the Rams. I mean, because they were just so unbelievably happy that they finally have won a playoff game. I mean, it's a great story, and what Dan Campbell has done there has been nothing short of amazing. Uh, And I agree with you. I think, you know, and we were talking about this on the show today, that if by chance the Packers lose, that suddenly, you know, hey, a little pride in the NFC North, and 
the great story would be the Detroit Lions if they were able to able to win. But I, I don't see Detroit going to San Francisco and getting a win either, to be honest with you. Well, I like Dan Campbell and what he's been able to do there, so I'm kind of rooting for Detroit um, as a, a bit of a backstory if the Packers and the Chiefs falter. Hey, I can have three Think about teams. this. Here's something for you, though. Now. Here's real quick something for you. Think about the last time the Packers went to a Super Bowl. They had to go through an NFC North opponent to get there. They won in Chicago. Imagine if they have an NFC championship game in Detroit. They would then win two NFC championship trophies, the Hallis Trophy, in both Chicago and in Detroit to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a nice nice little nugget there. All right, just quickly, Bill Michaels, before I let you go, give me your assessment of the National League Central. Your Brewers have been pretty tough the last couple of years. Don't know if you noticed, and there's such hatred for the Cardinals in Milwaukee in particular because it stings so much, you know, from 1982. The Cardinals weren't quite the Cardinals last year, Bill. Did you notice that up in Wisconsin? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's, it's a, it was a weird mix because you didn't know what to expect from St. Louis because they had so many good veterans and good young bats, and obviously they were supposed to have a juggernaut of an offense, and it just never materialized. You're like, what, did Yadier Molina take all the leadership when he walked out of the clubhouse or what, you know? So and then pitching didn't hold up the way it thought, and then the way they thought it would. But uh, what they did last year, the Brewers was was amazing. Uh, you know, obviously they had the pitching, they're hitting. They it was like every night somebody knew. They didn't have you know Yelich play had a good season, but they didn't have a juggernaut of a season. You know, they lost Garrett Mitchell early on, and then he came back, and then Sal Freelich came up and got his first taste, and he lit him on fire. And then Joey Weimer was really good at defensively in center field, and it's just like everything just all of a sudden came together. And Cincinnati gave it a nice run, but they didn't have the pitching. We knew that. Cincinnati can hit the hell out of the ball, but they didn't have the arms to do it. And the Cubs were the Cubs. They were kind of hanging around, and in Pittsburgh, they're still Pittsburgh. But Craig Council just had a way of manipulating the roster and going with the statistics and and getting wins. And now, without Craig and him going down to Chicago, uh, we anytime anybody faces Chicago, we root for them because everybody now hates Chicago, because that hit everybody like a ton of bricks in the middle of the night. That was the equivalent of the Indianapolis Colts at the time, uh, the Baltimore Colts packing up in the middle of the night and running to Indianapolis. That was the way that that you know, Craig Council signing was, was received crazy. here. Now, that was amazing. You know, you, you know, you used to know my wife, um, Rebecca Reardon, went to Whitefish yep. Bay High School. I mean, Craig Council was the pride and joy of Whitefish Bay. He was a Milwaukee guy. He was a star on the team. He was beloved. He comes in. He does an amazing job as a manager. And then he goes to the Cubs? Yeah. Oh. Yep. He Ugh. he. Mark, he had nothing more than I think two things happened last year when they, or two years ago when they traded away Josh Hader, and then Mark Antanasio, who talks about being involved in every deal, suddenly blamed it on the general manager when everything went bad and all the fans went crazy. I think that left a bad taste in Craig's mouth. And Craig was offered a ton of money, and Craig is still he still got that player's mentality, you know. So when he had a chance to boost the salary for all managers by, you know, the or the, the Brewers offered him $5.5 million. When he went down to Chicago for $8.5 million a year, and, and he was able now to raise the, you know, kind of high tide raises all ships, to be able to go raise the average salary for managers to help managers out, that's the reason he did that. So I, I don't think he gave a damn about loyalty. He wanted to do as much as he can and win a championship here. But I think he looked at it as, we're the Brewers. We're always going to be the Brewers. We're never going to have the extra money to go the extra mile. So I might as well go ahead and you know try to help out my fellow managers. I've done everything I can here, and I'm I'm going to go to an organization that that maybe can win. Right, but let's let's agree on one thing. We both hope that he fails miserably. 
at this Absolutely. Point. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, Bill. Absolutely hate the Cubs with a passion. I mean, I can go through the descriptions of what I think of Cubs fans and how disgusting they are. Absolutely. I can't stand them. We have a lot of those, you know, across the river on the other side of Illinois. I always say that, you know, I grew up there until I was 14 years old, moved here in 1979. But luckily, and there was no vaccine at the time, Bill, I was not infected by the Cubs virus. <laughs> I got very lucky. That's great. I got very lucky. That's I didn't great. even wear a mask or anything. Big unit, Bill Michaels, awesome to hook up with you. I miss you dearly. I love you. Let's go, Pack Go. We'll see what happens tomorrow, Bill. Mark, I am doing a live show tomorrow night for the Packers. I'm in the Northwoods. I'm in your uh, neck of the woods. We're used to hunt, man, so I'm way up north. All right, get one for me. Take the bow out. All right, we'll buddy. see you, Bill. Thank, thank you. Take yeah. care. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I talked about the uh, Metrolink expansion plan on the Reardon Roundtable earlier. You can always use the rewind function on the outstanding Odyssey app and go back and listen to that. We're going to spend a little bit more time on that with David Stokes, who's with the Show Me Institute here in St. Louis on Monday afternoon's show. I have an audio cut of the day forthcoming before we wrap up here in about 20 minutes, but I wanted to do a uh, what I would consider a very special interview with my friend Ron Scheller, who we call the Bat Guy, the Batman. He extracted bats from my home in South City. Ron, do you remember when that was? It had to be around 2010 or something like that, right? Yes, that's right around that exact period, yep. And Sue was asking me the other day how um, I found you, and I don't remember if you were listening or someone was listening or if I Googled you, but I reached out and I said, hey, I think I have bats in my eaves because I found on my porch, I thought it looked like cigarette ashes, right? And it was guano, and I'd never you know, anticipated that or experienced that before. And I don't know if you remember this, but one day I was with my kids who were very young at the time, and it was 10, 11 in the morning. I worked a weird schedule at that time. I took the hose... <laughs> And I sprayed it up into the eaves, and I think we counted 22 bats that came out of those eaves, Ron. Flushed them out of there, yep. We that always did. is an exciting exciting day for our homeowners when they, they realize that. Well, <laughs> but you, it started a relationship and a friendship. We became friends. You were awesome, and you invited me up to Staunton, Illinois, to uh, do some some muskrat trapping and some beaver trapping. Mm-hmm. And uh, we I learned a lot because you've been trapping since you were a kid. But your story is fascinating. I want to go back to that, Sue, because I think this is interesting. I'm a very 
firm, strong believer in following your passions. And your passion as someone who um, did the work that you did before you retired here in wildlife uh, services, that's not how it started, right? I mean, that was what you did when you were a kid, trapping and hunting and doing things like that. But you were a motorcycle salesman and guy for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I worked as a technician at a couple different motorcycle shops in Litchfield, actually 25 years altogether between uh, both stores. Had my own little shop for a few years, sold some European specialty motorcycles that are designed to ride over things instead of around them, which you came up and spent some time in the woods with us doing that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I always did the trapping part. You know, just my dad took me out when I was little. Uh, He would always fur trap for all the local farmers, the muskrat would tear up everybody's farm pond dams and you know he loved the trap and that's how he got our christmas money he worked for the state police forever um but in the winter time he you know did extra income just to buy all christmas presents for everybody in the family and all the relatives and it was rather interesting to go out and catch all these critters which he started taking me when i was about five Oof. and you, you just pick up on it you know i mean some people it, it clicks and you do it. And the others are like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't want to do that. It's too cold and it's too hard and everything else. <laughs> but I loved it. And uh, I, I ended up doing it through grade school and high school and even after graduation. But um, And all the game wardens knew that I did that as a wintertime uh, occupation or not occupation, just basically kind of hobby, right? just to earn some extra money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was fun. You know, just a recreational thing. Just I love being out in the wintertime. And uh, whenever Illinois had become so crazy, crazily overrun with uh, all these smaller critters, raccoons, possums, skunks, everything just started getting outrageously populated whenever the fur market started declining. People just quit going raccoon hunting and, and trapping and everything. So the numbers just instantly quadrupled and they moved into everybody's houses under everybody's buildings and they were causing all these problems. So the state did a, they didn't know what to do. The game wardens couldn't keep up with all the calls. They were getting like 100,000 calls a year for animals in and around structures. And they're like, okay, we have to do something. So in 1990, they came out with this commercial wildlife permit system. And I wasn't even going to do it. I was working at, um, I think it was Action Cycle at the time or maybe Knee House Cycle, one of the two where I worked. And I believe it's Action Cycle at that time. And, you know, I, I was just happy what I was doing. I, I was working 40 hours a week and, and being a young person running around doing what I wanted to do. And um, I had worked with the state before that on a couple of things. We did a, worked with them on a muskrat study, um, did a beaver trapping video for them because they had so many people with beaver trapping or beaver problems up northern Illinois, especially at that time. The farmers couldn't know how to do it. So the wildlife director and I went out and did like three days out in the field and did um, I say field as in not a field, but right, <laughs> in the right. woods, um, did a video. But the game, the uh, actually all the game wardens in like four counties knew that I trapped a lot in the wintertime. And they were all begging me. It's like, hey, you have to get this permit. You know, they're going to have a system where you can actually trap year round for people and charge money. I'm like, I didn't want to do it. It's like, oh, I'm busy enough. You know, I'm happy. So the wildlife director at the time, Bob Blewett, who just passed away a few months ago, great guy. Um, he calls me up and says, hey, I'm going to come to your house tomorrow night. I'm like, what's going on, Bob? He goes, because he had worked with him on the muskrat study and a couple of other things. He goes, I'm going to come and give you the test. And I'm like, well, I didn't really intend on it, you know. So he, he shows up the next day, and I take the test practically at gunpoint. And 
it just within three years, I was doing 40 hours at the motorcycle shop and 40 to 50 hours at wildlife with no advertising. And I thought, okay, I'm going to keel over if I keep this up and realized I was never going to own the Honda shop or the Kawasaki store. And I thought it's worth a try. Still get along with the guys, at the bike shop super well, um, visit them all the time, pick them cookies from U belts bakery and all that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's just been a, a crazy, a crazy uh, roller coaster ride the whole time through this thing, and it just—it's just beyond comprehension that that it could have evolved into what it did. Well, what I loved, and, and this is what we kind of based our relationship on. I, I was very curious, and you educate very educational. Mm-hmm. You know, Ron is, and you—you you took care of my buddy Fitzy down the street. He had bats, and I remember going into his backyard. And one of the fun things that he would do, and this is interesting because um, it's very regulated, as you know, Ron, better than anyone. You can't just kill the bats, right? So they come out at yep. night, and he puts these tubes in there and makes sure that they can fly out. And you can sit there as the sun goes down, see these bats kind of fly out of the tubes, and then they can't get back in. And then what? Ron does is protects your home, and he had to seal up much of my home. But people freak out. I mean, you're so natural around squirrels and raccoons and possums. People freak out with bats. So I, one of the things I wanted to do here, because Ron's retiring, and I thought it would be a good time to shine a little light on everything that he's done, you have got to have some Hall of Fame-level stories with customers and people that have freaked out about some of these animals, because I've seen your Facebook posts over the years. Oh, gosh, yes. Some of them, are, to me— my, if I'm out and about, you know, say 10 years ago before everything was cell phones or longer than that, and everything was on answering machines, you know, I'd come home and I would just sit down and hit the button. <laughs> and it was like more entertainment than anyone could pay for anywhere, you know, listen to these calls. But that's me because I understand what's going on and the people on the other end have no clue. And that, it, it makes it funny. You know, I, I, I have a hard time putting myself in their shoes because if a bat came flying down my hallway into the bedroom, I wouldn't think twice. Right. Right. Well, right. you know, I'll catch this dude and put him out and figure out what's going on here. How do you get in here? And that's as far as it would go, you know. But I get the calls at 3 a.m. that people can are barely legible because they're just in a, a panic Freaked state. Out. Yeah. You know, and they're just losing their mind. They're about for, ready for a trip to the ER. And I'm like, slow, slow down. This thing weighs a half an ounce at most, and he's not going to take you anywhere, <laughs> you know. And, and they just – They've got all of these terrible misconceptions about bats. And, yeah, you don't touch them and you don't want them on you or anything. And you don't want them in your house living with you. But, my gosh, the same people will go out and hand feed a raccoon on their deck, oh. which is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. So, it, it, you know, they think those things have 60 different diseases that are transferred to humans easily. And just because they're cute, they get by with it. But anyway... <laughs> Well, that's yeah. what my friend Uncle Ted, when people rip uh, uh, deer hunting, uh, Ted Nugent will say, what, should we only kill the ugly ones? Right. Right? Oh, there yeah. You know, that's yeah. Oh, so yeah. Do, you, do you have any stories that pop up? Because it's so hard. You've told me so many stories over the years. Even when we're out doing some trapping or something, you'll say, yeah, this person called or left a message. They freaked out about this. I've seen the videos where you reach in, you grab the raccoon or the squirrel or something like that. Do you have a favorite? You know, one of the funniest ones, it was way back. I'm talking 30 years ago, probably shortly after I started, because they started this in 1990, and I was one of the first ones with the permit. And, you know, like I said, almost by force. And, um, well, they knew I had done so much trapping for people and worked with the DNR on different studies. They thought, you know, this guy's probably a good fit for this. And at that time, I didn't, I didn't really look at it as a viable way to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been great. But, you know, I had a call... Game Warden calls me when I was working at Action Cycle in Litchfield, 
And he's like, Ron, I got to come over because I, I did, like I said, about the first three or four years, I did both. I did the wildlife control while I was still working. Because you, as any business, you don't just start. Well, right, I guess right, you can, right. but those are the ones that fail. I worked my way. I worked my way into it until I couldn't stand it. I had to do it. And so the game warden comes over. We drive over to the Gardens Restaurant, which is no longer there. It's at the corner of Route 66 and Route 16 in Litchfield, right, the main intersection. And we pull up to the front. He goes, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to be looking at here? I figured there'd be raccoon tracks on the windows or something because restaurants and raccoons go hand in hand and because they all have dumpsters. <laughs> yeah. um, and I get out of the truck, and there's four beaver stumps right along the front windows of the Gardens restaurant with no water anywhere right there. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I look, and there's a great big trail in the grass in the front. goes into about a 36-inch uh, concrete tile that angles down under the main stoplight intersection. So he, Game Warden, Mike Watson, he's retired. He says, here, go see, go see what's in there. So he hands me his flashlight. And, of course, I crawled in there. And I went in there probably about 50 feet or so, 60 feet, got to the middle of the intersection, and the, the 36-inch round tile emptied into like an 8-foot concrete square chamber and here's a 40 pound beaver sitting there looking at me about three feet from my face and he had built a lodge had about two or three feet of really nice soft branches all piled inside that cavity right under the stoplight under the main highway there (laughs) and i come back and out of that thing in reverse pretty quick and i told mike i was like hey he's in there i said he's living in the middle of the intersection in in a big collection box so he pulls his pistol out of his holster. Here, go shoot him. And I'm like, I'm going to crawl into a concrete yeah, enclosure right, and shoot this gun. And I'm like, I am not crazy. He goes, you have to be because you've already been in there. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, uh-huh. you go in there. He goes, he wouldn't go in there for a million bucks. So I called Blewett at DNR. He's my buddy. And uh, he comes the next day. We bring a great big cage trap and put it at the far end by Taco Bell. That's what initiated the call from the game warden. I got to go backwards. just a hair. They get a call at 2 a.m. in the city police department at Litchfield. Guy at Taco Bell drive through. Hey, you guys got to come out here. You guys got to come out here. There's a great big animal carrying a tree down the road. Oh, my and the cops gosh. Like, Sir, don't go anywhere. We'll be right there. Because they just figured, okay, we're going to lock this guy up. And uh, they pull up, and there's about a 40-pound beaver carrying an entire bush oh. down alongside the ditch. And went into the culvert down behind Taco Bell. And uh, that's what started the whole everybody going after this He thing. ran for the border, I wow. think, is what <laughs> happened there, right? <laughs> so we take a door. We run. We rigged this trap up at the end and kind of put some barricades into it. And went all the way across the road to U-Belt's bakery side and went in a little bitty four-foot culvert. Both of us blew it tonight. And we carried this door from my home through that thing and used it as a battering ram and kind of pushed that beaver from that cavity in there into the trap and all the people from the local bank there are on top of the culvert watching us do this they're they're like their heads are upside down and there's a lady came out i know the lady who was she's she's cussing and screaming out there at the front door of the bank no one was in the bank the doors are wide open there all the employees are out there watching us catch this beaver wow. and uh and uh anyway we catch it and they're all you know worried oh what are you going to do with it what are you going to do with it you know it's not illegal to relocate them it's just it's nearly impossible to find anybody who'll say, yeah, bring that thing out so he can destroy my woods or whatever. So a a friend of mine had just bought property, had a pond that had a whole bunch of little willows around it. He goes, take it out to my place. It was like eight or nine miles away. So we take this thing out there. 
he's wanting it to clear all the willow trees out. It goes 100 feet from the lake and eats all his hickory trees and oak trees out of his woods. Oh, doesn't no. touch the willows. <laughs> it digs a den right oh, into the oh, dam oh. of the pond, oh. through the pond, and drained the pond. It cost oh. him about $10,000 to have the pond Ron. rebuilt. But this is a good example Holy of why. Cow. Because when, when Ron started, like at one point, and I, I had hunted. I've been deer hunting for, for 30 years. I was a big fisherman. I never trapped before. He's like, why don't you come up and do some beaver trapping once we became friends? And, you know, yep. I, I, I love to tell people that I was doing that just to get their reaction. But let's make it clear why you do that. And muskrats, the same thing. You were hired quite often by municipalities or even golf courses. And you got muskrats that are oh, yeah. creating issues where the pond, you know, the dams are caving in. The same thing with the beavers. They're wonderfully yep. amazing creatures, but, bad, they're destructive, right? So that's the reason for they the are, trapping. Yeah, they're very costly. And they're so their population is so high at this point. And, and I get the entire thought process of, hey, that's part of nature. But I have to go one step further and say, was the earth mover and the bulldozer that piled all that dirt there to build this lake, was that nature? No, that's a man-made structure, that lake. And it's be, to be protected because you've got a ton of money invested in it, and it's serving a purpose. It, it, it's just the same. If you, if you think that they should be left alone because they are part of that, well, then why do you treat termites in your house? Mm. It's the same thing. If there's something where it's not supposed to be, we have to do yeah, something. I understand. I understand you know? the point and, there. and there's no way to take them somewhere that there aren't already too many. And that's that's what people don't grasp. They they watch a little bit too much TV, and they think that everything's endangered and there's nothing left, or it's just the opposite. Right. Hey, Ron, what is the most difficult animal slash uh, bat? What what's the most difficult to remove from a house? What's the trick? Honestly, but I think the hardest can be a rat, just a Norway rat. Those things are so neophobic. You can put traps down and they'll drive you nuts i had a convenience store had one in there it went through six cases of candy bars had oh. them hidden all over the place it would not go to any bait and i've had that happen several times wow. you have they are so i don't know if it's smart or just like the neophobic thing something that's in its normal route that wasn't there before it can look good and smell good and probably taste good if they would try it but they won't go within five or six feet of it for two weeks Dang. That's amazing that they have major. those instincts. It's, yeah. Well, listen. It really. I am. Oh, we're out of time, but you're you've become a great friend. I haven't seen you much lately. And your dad. You mentioned your dad, Butch, was awesome. And you know, people would always ask, "Well, what do you do with beaver?" And the answer that I would provide is, "You eat it." And Butch would make some delicious beaver stew. Uh, we had a great time together. New Year's. Yeah, well, and so Ron is retiring, and you've relocated. you got a great piece of property down in Kentucky. You better damn well have some ponds that I can come fish on that property at some point. But Oh, we're not down there. It'll, it'll be a year before we get a house built. Well, and I know that. You're kind of in the process. But thank you so much for always being a great guest on the yes. show and your friendship. And I, I just love hearing your stories. And uh, people up there are going to miss you. I don't know if there's anyone that's going to step in and do the work that you've been doing. But one of the things that would happen over the years, because I would have him on the radio, he'd actually say, hey, don't give my website out or something like that, because you had so much damn demand, yeah. right? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that, wow. I mean, everybody's like, oh, that's some good publicity you're going to get. And I'm like, well, I don't want them to tell anybody where I'm at. <laughs> right, right. We tried to keep it quiet. Ron, the back guy, oh, thank God. you so much. Thanks, Congratulations Ron. on retirement and all the hard work has paid off, and we will talk soon. Okay, Mark, thanks. All right, we'll see you. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Something tells me, Sue Thomas, you're not going to be glued to the TV watching NFL football as much as I will be this weekend. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. Are you going to watch it all, though? Will you watch? Well, what I like to do is, in the middle of what I'm doing, just ask Google what the, you know, what's the what score, the score what's up, yeah. on, uh, you know, in whatever game, and then they tell me, and I move to the next one. These are tough weekends, though, especially when you have an eight-year-old, because, man, you got to keep these kids busy, yeah. and uh, you got to keep yourself busy. I- I'm not one that can get up in the morning, and I'm going to try to do the MAC and go to the gym, but if I get up and the weather is bad or I can't get outside, i got to do something. Right? I understand. So I, 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 like last weekend, I did a basement project, kind of mm. cleaned stuff up there, but then there's like projects you can kind of do for a few hours, and there's like bigger projects that I'm trying to avoid. So I need the weather to get nicer is what I'm saying. <laughs> you need, what, a two-hour project, not an eight? That's exactly yeah, what I'm saying. Because I, actually I got a couple that. on my list that are more like eight-hour projects. By the way, what I do have is, because I have no you know skills on my own, I have uh, our handyman, Phil. We call him Phil Handyman. I really well, sure. couldn't even tell you what his last name is because I haven't programmed in in my phone as Phil Handyman. But I've got a couple things, including when the wind was blowing like crazy last week, I have a, a spout. Is that what you call it? Like a spout from a gutter? Yeah. Blew off. It's completely Ooh. blew off. Hmm. I have it. Downspout, they da- would call it. There you that. go, downspout. So somebody needs to repair that. And let me tell you, Sue, it's not going to be me. Let's do this here this afternoon. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. All right, I'm going to do two here. They are um, they're a little related here. I think you're going to see that. So there is a mayoral election in London, England, across the pond in May. It's May 2nd of this year to elect the next mayor. The current mayor of City Khan, Susan Hall, is challenging him. Susan's the conservative. City Khan is the Labor Party liberal. And this is Susan kind of going at City Khan in a forum here about DEI training. Yeah, this is become an issue across the pond as well. Diversity, equity, and inclusion training in London with police officers in particular. And this was an interesting exchange. In uh, 2018, you got police officers to do training on what colour their personality is. And we all know that that cost 10 million because that's been in the press before. Uh, And according to many of the police officers who attended, they said that the training was a complete waste of time. Did you do it, Mr Mayor? If so, what colour is your personality? Well, the idea, Chair, that the Mayor decides what training course police officers go on and devises the syllabus well, is clearly £10 million pounds of taxpayers' money, but, Mr Mayor. But I don't apologise for wanting our police officers to receive proper training, uh, the fire service to receive proper training. I encourage that. Uh, I think, you know, it's really so important to make sure... So what colour is your personality, Mr Mayor? I think it's really important, Chair, not to micromanage the training from City Hall, but to have confidence... In the They're so polite, aren't they? I, so she yeah, kind of closes it out here. Clearly the training is not providing value for money. So in total, Mr Mayor, uh, you've either spent or been forced to return £92 million of police funding. So really the only black hole in funding for our police is the one that you've made. One of the things I always like to do when I hear English people speak is play this cut from a fish called Wanda. Oh, you English are so superior. And kind of because of that, Kevin Klein, I ran out of time for my second cut of the day. We'll save that one for Monday. It's going to hold. I promise you that. Have a great weekend, Sue. You too. 
Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.